Amen. His faithfulness. We're broken records about that, but that is the truth. He is so faithful. No matter what it looks like or feels like, he's incredibly faithful. Jeannie, come up right away. Jeannie's preaching today, and I just want to hand the mic right over to her. That was like we already had our sermon today. It was awesome. It was really good. So from the rising sun to the setting same, we will praise his name. Isn't that powerful? We don't realize that when we come together, well, we do realize it needs to penetrate in our heart, that the Lord said that we are to bless. David said, bless the Lord in the great assembly. Isn't that amazing? He said, get into the great assembly and, and bless his name. Because when we praise his name, he inhabits our praises. So he literally comes into a greater dimension into our world. And we never, ever, ever want to take lightly praising the Lord, singing his praises, declaring his word. Because as Tamisha said, he is a faithful God. And he will deliver and he will restore. So along those lines, I want to get right onto it because I'm hoping that we can sing that song again. But not sure. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to give TJ the heads up there for a second. But like I said... I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among a mighty people. We are a mighty people, not because we have any strength. And it's not just numbers he's talking about. It's because we inhabit. He inhabits our being. We are living temples of the living God. Uh, I wish, I pray to God that I could get a greater grasp on that. We are a holy people, and he is enthroned upon, his, uh, upon the praises of his people. So when we praise him and declare his name, we have the promise that he is with us, and he will never leave us, he'll never forsake us. The scripture, I didn't write it down, I kept thinking of this morning, it says, when you fall, because there's times that we do stumble, right? He said, you will not, my scripture, my version says, you will not fall headlong, meaning you're not going to hit the pavement, because it's me who is holding your hand. We don't realize, we can't feel his tangible hand, but I'm telling you, he's there. And he wants us to continue to declare that to one another. That's really what the gospel, the preaching of the gospel is, right? Declaring that he has paid a great price for us. And what he has said, what he has said in his word, we want to trust and believe that it's true. He's faithful to his promises. So today the Lord really gave me, um, I have nine pages, but don't worry. It's like really big font because my eyes were all blurry. <laughs> so... Um, he gave me one thought, one simple thought, and I want to talk a little bit about the uh, covenant of Abraham, but I'm letting you know now I'm only touching on it. I'm only skimming on it to get to the scripture that he gave me. Adam can do all the, the in-depth and the teaching and everything that he does so effectively. So um, don't think, well, you passed over that really fast. You skimmed over it. You paraphrased. I'm doing it for a reason. I just want to, I want to hook the things up. I want to hook up the covenant of Abraham to the covenant of Jesus Christ, the greater promise, right? And the promise that he's given us in the, the simple scripture he's given me uh, for his people today, which is really a privilege. I'm amazed sometimes that he gives me anything, that he speaks anything to me. But when I know he's given me something, I like to say it for his benefit and for his glory. So the God of Abraham, again, I have, to, I have to just read the words part of that song. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven that you do just what you say. So that's where we're going today. What he says will come to pass. So I want to share about friendship today. Not friendship with one another, although it's really important that we are covenant people and we love each other and we are friends with one another. But what Jesus had to say about you and I being his friend, the amazing word that he said, I call you friends. We can't take it lightly. He calls us friends and really what that means. We need to live in the security of this relationship, having a revelation of his promises in his covenant that came through Abraham, the one he called friend. 
The Lord called him friend when he made a covenant. Adam said last, last week, he pulled him out of nothing. He was really pagan, right? He didn't have any, he didn't have, there was no hope in his nation for, for God. And yet God took him out of nothing. He took him out of wickedness and sin, and he made a covenant with, with Abraham. And so through the line of Abraham, Jesus Christ would come through that lineage, and there would be a greater promise, right? And so that's what he's done in our life, as you said last week. We never should re- forget that. We, were, we are all found in sin. We are all found dirty, and he cleans us up. It's an unconditional covenant. I'm going to make this covenant with you. You just be obedient to trust me, and you are going to understand that I am your friend, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's a mighty God. I don't know why anybody would serve and follow another religion. I just have to say that straight up. I don't understand when the Lord has been so faithful to us to prove who he is. So the enemy, though, he does not want us to understand the great promise the Father has towards his sons and daughters. We need to understand the other side I want to talk about today is we have an enemy, and he's always whispering in your ear. We think it's our voice, but it's not our voice. So the enemy wants us to understand that the great promise that the Father has towards his sons and daughters, the never-ending help he sends to his own, the shield and protector he truly is for all generations, and mercy that continues to flow for his own, the adversary will speak words of doubt, make you feel unworthy, unqualified, and undesirable. But it doesn't matter if you're unqualified. You got that raise anyway, right? He wants us to feel like there's, it's hopeless for you. You've only come so far, and that's as far as you're going to go. But we have to remember it's a lie, working through a defeated foe to rob you and me from the substance within us that he fears the most, and that is our faith. He is afraid of a believer who is filled with faith, filled with the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, ready to say without hesitancy, my God reigns. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of a believer who says, I might be down now, but I know that my Redeemer lives. He's after that. Because when we stand and say those things, the, the earth starts to quake in the spirit, so to say, right? The demon, the kingdoms of the powers of darkness start to shake over other people. They don't understand it. They might not feel it right away, but it's happening. And so what he's saying to, to us, I don't want you to be a theologian. You don't have to be well, um, a, a great orator. All you need to say is, my God reigns. So simple, right? So simple. But that's what he's after, our faith in God. He has promised that he will bring everything to pass. A faithful believer is not a threat. A faithless believer, sorry. He's loved. A faithless believer is still loved. But he's not a threat. But the one who believes God is the one he fears. We are his treasured ones. Understand that. We are treasured by God. He, he delights in us. If you think about that for a moment as I drink my water. <laughs> treasured ones. I love treasures. I don't seem to find them though. And my metal detector. But I have found the treasure of my soul. And he calls me treasure. He calls you treasure. He calls you his precious favored one. And because of that, we fear nothing. We are his treasured ones, and he has called us friend. The Lord wants us to be secure in his promises, confident he is always with us. Our identity is in him. Never forget your identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not what you can't do. It's not what your heritage is. It's not what your family was. It's not what nation you came from. It's not how you were raised. It's not how, what your brother thinks, your sister thinks, or even what your church all thinks, right? Our identity is in Jesus Christ. He is the ruler of our soul. We have given our life to him. And when our identity is in him, then what can we fear? We know that the Lord is with us. So the Lord wants us to be secure in that promise. His words to us must be the loudest in our hearts and minds. He recently spoke that to me. My voice has to be the loudest in my people. 
The last word should be my word. We hear many voices, voices of doubt, our own and from the enemy. But he says, my voice must be the loudest in these last days. You must know and understand that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I do call you friend. So the voice of God has to be louder than all other voices. His voice comes through his word and comes supernaturally within. It can start as a whisper. can it sometimes? You just hear something and you think, was that the Lord? And it starts to build and it starts to build and he starts to confirm. And you know that it was his voice. And it becomes louder and louder and louder, drowning out the doubt, drowning out the fear, drowning out the accusations of the enemy. It starts as a whisper, but the more we listen, the louder it gets. Let it become so loud that it drowns out everything that contradicts it. If not, we will rise and fall continually in questioning his love for us, questioning his desire to deliver. And it creates a despondency in some and hopelessness in others. Why? Because the enemy at that point is trying to rob your faith. If that continued where Tamisha's been standing and standing and standing, she wouldn't have pushed through and prayed for her sister. But it was the faith of God in her that continued to go and continued to declare his word. Whether you felt it or not, right? You speak it no matter what you see. So walking in defeat and discouragement is what the enemy wants. And we think things, this is what he puts in our heart. Will God help me? Will he rescue me? Will he deliver me? Will he help my family? When these thoughts are louder than his promises, we are listening to the father of lies. And he is a father. And he has, he has a kingdom of children, and he'll use them against the kingdom of God. But we don't have to fear. The covenant he made with Abraham was based on obedience, not performance. It was initiated by God to bless him and the multitudes throughout the generations. Realize that we cannot earn our salvation, healing, deliverance. We can't earn anything, any other blessing. We are in a covenant that we can't add to, but we can receive from abundantly. All we need to do is believe, believe and obey. You know, how many times did Jesus said, just believe, just believe. That's all he said, just believe. And, and one of, the, one of the, um, the Israelites that was listening to him, he says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. That's how merciful he is. Even when we doubt, he's, we can say, help me in my unbelief. Get me there. And he is a faithful brother. He's a faithful servant. He's a faithful God to help us. So we choose to serve him because of what he has done. But his love, his friendship does not rest on our performance. Never let the enemy make you feel like that. I didn't pray enough. I wanted to pray. I committed to pray. I committed to fast. I committed I was going to pray for two hours now. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes twice a day, four times a day. We press in for those things. You should never let them go. But when you don't, don't let the enemy beat you up. He's still with you. He sees you trying. He knows that you, you want more of him. You're clinging to him. So the enemy will do that. It's obedience and faith in our hearts the Father is looking for. It's believing in his power to redeem and expecting what he has said will come to pass. He wants us to be encouraged today that he calls us friend. When the Lord first gave me this, I thought, well, friend, friendship, didn't sound, it didn't sound um, all that uh, powerful to me. But the more I got into it, I understood it is so powerful. It is something that we really have to hold on to. Who doesn't want a, God, who doesn't want a friend that is able to stand with us and beat every foe, right? I'm in trouble. You call a friend. Well, that's good. But we can call on Jesus. I'm in trouble. And Jesus comes on the scene and everything has to move. I mean, he's a mighty king. He is high and lifted up, right? So we want him to be a friend, and we want to declare he's a friend. We want to understand and, and let our eyes be open to the greatness of God. It's not a light thing. To us, friendship is, we don't fully understand the mindset of the Israelites, and we'll get to that in a second. So in John 15, this is really my text for today. I don't remember what version uh, that I think. I think it's NLT, but maybe not. 
So this is my, cov- this is my commandment, that you love one another. And I want to make a point. He starts with it, and he ends with it. They're like bookends. He goes, this is my commandment, that you love one another. He says everything we're going to say, and then he ends with, this is my commandment, that you love one another. It's very important that we love one another. So this is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as, just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Because all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another." Now, this is before Jesus is going to the cross. It's some of his last words to his disciples. To the Jewish community who heard these words, sorry, I want to make sure I was on the right page. To the Jewish community who heard these words, they would have heard the covenant. They would have heard promise because they would have thought of their father in faith, their father Abraham. They knew that he was called the friend of God, right? He is the friend of God, father Abraham. They knew the promises God gave to Abraham and to his descendants. They knew the word in its covenant that Abraham was a friend of God. And if they were thinking at that moment, could this be the Messiah? What they would be thinking, could this be the fulfillment of that covenant? Because he's calling himself friend. Remember in the the New Testament when the Pharisees were coming against him, and they said to him, the scripture was fulfilled, which says, oh, I'm sorry, it's the wrong scripture. That he said, but I'll just quote it. He says, they come, come against him, and they said, are you greater than Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. So he's the greater covenant. Thank God for Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. We come through, and it's an everlasting covenant, but Jesus declares, I am. And so in that mindset of Judaism, where they understood the Torah, they didn't have the New Testament, they understood what a friend was. They understood the power of that word. So in James 2.23, it says, And scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Why? Because he believed God, and he was obedient. So God called him friend. In Genesis 12, this was the covenant. We're going to just skim over it. The Lord tells Abram what is going to happen in his life, what his blessings are going to be. He's 75 years old at this point. He says, I'll give you land. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And then he says this, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How is that possible that in him, all the families of the earth would be blessed? Because Jesus Christ fulfilled that covenant. Because of Jesus Christ, we claim the covenant of Abraham, right? Because of that, the Israelites and Israel today, they still have, they're still receiving the blessing of this promise. Their land is still upon them. Those who bless Israel, Israel will be blessed. We've seen it happen. Those who curse them will be cursed. We see it happen over and over again, not to get into that. But for us, Jesus Christ was the answer to the last part that in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Abraham, every family on the earth blessed. That includes you and me. This promise crowned all the rest, for it pointed to the Messiah, in whom all the promises are yea and amen. Everything points to the Messiah. In Christ, this blessing is ours. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and amen. Only Jesus can bless every family on the earth through his sacrifice. Abraham could not do that. 
He couldn't, he couldn't do it. So the actual covenant found in Genesis 12 was one of um, giving to Abraham for the, full, for the fulfillness of the covenant of Jesus Christ. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This is in 15. And when, if you want to go research it, it's just 12 and 15 and 17, all about what happened with Abraham. He receives the promise, then the covenant, the actual ceremony comes, and then it continues from there. So in 15, he says, After these things, the Lord, the word of the Lord, came to Abraham in a vision. And he said to him, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Imagine God coming to you and saying, don't worry about anything. I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. We can't fully understand that. But that means all that he has in his kingdom, in his glory, is ours. All the protection, all the angels, all the shield of faith, the fire of, the fire of his presence is with us. He was with Abraham through thick and thin. And he goes, I am your reward. Why would he do that to a pagan, right? But he chose to. Why would God bless us? Because he chose to. For some reason, we are a treasured people. For some reason, he thinks we're cute. He loves us. He sees, see, he sees the end from the beginning. He doesn't see where you start. He sees what he's going to do in your life to the very end. And that's where our confidence is, not where we are today. He says, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I will give you all that I have promised. I will be your protection. I'll be your strength. I will be your reward. I will be your friend. See, that's what a friend is. I read those things so that we understand this is what a friend is. We all have really good friends, but they can't be with us all the time, right? They can pray for us, they can comfort us, but they can't go into our inner man and strengthen us. We have a friend in Jesus. Genesis 17, 7 says this, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generation as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants forever. See, it's not a contract. A contract can be broken. I break them all the time. I used to go with uh, Bettini fuel, and I broke my contract, and I went to this other fuel. Whatever, whoever had the best price, right? And you play that game, play that game. You go to Verizon. You go to the other one. You go back and forth until you finally say enough. You can break contracts. We always do. This is a covenant. It's totally different. It cannot be broken. It's an everlasting covenant. So if you have family members, if you, you know people that aren't following the Lord, you can go before the Lord and say, Lord, it's an everlasting covenant. You will save my family, right? they will inherit the land. There will be an answer because I have a covenant with you that can never be broken. So contracts can be broken, but God's is an everlasting one. It was a covenant initiated by God for us. I'm going to skip that part. And what, did, and what did he do to receive this tremendous promise? Abraham. He believed. That was it. He didn't go to Bible college. Uh, he didn't fast. He didn't pray. He just believed what he heard the Lord say. And the Lord is saying to us, just believe me. Just believe that my word is true. The covenants from God cannot be broken. He establishes them forever. We stumble, the covenant remains. We're weak and weary, seemingly losing battles, the covenant remains. We may be sick, long-term illnesses, mentally attacked with worry, fear, and anxiety, the covenant remains. Prodigals have walked away, become addicted, broken, and empty, but the covenant remains. They come back home. The Lord remains the same. He's a faithful friend. You know, there used to be a saying, a friend is someone who knows all about you and loves you anyway. Do you ever hear that one? <laughs> and it's really true. 
I mean, they might, they might get mad at you and angry and stuff. You might fight your friends. But the truth is, you know, you, a true friend is still always your true friend, no matter how angry they get with you or whatever. And they know everything about you. They love you anyway. This is the commitment we have from God. This is his covenant. I call you friends. Jesus knows everything about you, about all of us, and yet he remains faithful. He chose us before we were before we were even thought of, before we were created, before anything happened, he knows. He knows the lives right now who are going to be birthed into this earth. Before you were, he knew you. So it's mind-boggling. For he chose, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. Charles Spurgeon, I don't know if any of you ever listened to his, he's an 18th century, I believe, preacher, right? famous preacher, he said this about that scripture. He said, it's a good thing that he chose me before I was born because he surely would not have afterwards. And you see, and that's really what happens sometimes. We think he would never pick me now, but when he picked you before, he already saw your day-by-day activity. He already saw that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. That's mercy. That's grace. That's a friend. But even as, as Charles Spurgeon said, That's sometimes how we feel. That's how we see it. But he is faithful friend who sees beyond everything wrong because he has always seen us perfected in him. He sees the end from the beginning. And when you get stuck on your day-to-day, when you get stuck there, you just say, Lord, you see the end from the beginning. You You see the restoration. You see life restored. You see them because that's what you see. That's what I choose to see. And that's what I choose to agree with you and say. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than than a brother. And that brother is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Biblical definition of a friend, really, is Proverbs 17.17. A friend loves at all time. And God is love. He loves us all the time. He says, I am your friend and I will be to you what I was to Abraham, your exceedingly great reward. I will fight what is greater than your ability. I will supply what you cannot earn. I will accomplish for you all that's needed to restore you because you are my treasured ones. He is the king, the creator, the judge, the high priest. He holds all power, authority, and dominion, and yet he calls us friends. No longer I call you servants, I have called you friends. If Jesus' audience thought or started to think, maybe this is the Son of God, because he's saying that he is their friend, they understood the power that was happening here. They understood with their Jewish mindset that if he is the Messiah, he is fulfilling the covenant of Abraham. They knew covenant. I want to show you a really quick scripture in um, Second Chronicles. We have a war going on, a great war. All these um, nations are coming against Jehoshaphat. Adam actually preaches on this, um, not a lot, but enough that we know it, right? And so we know that it says about this um, time in history that when all this came, that Jehoshaphat feared and he fasted, right? Feared and fasted. It's a good move. And then what happens, though, I just want to read, then after he fasted, I want to read his prayer. This is what happens. When we, we fear and we fast and we turn to God, we remember covenant. We remember what he said. And that's why sometimes he calls us to fast. Not that our fast is moving the hand of God, but he's trying to get us to agree with him, right? And so starting in verse 5 of 20, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. 
and said, O Lord God of my fathers, of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? That's a good way to start a prayer instead of woe is me. He's saying, Lord, these, this is who you are. All these things are you. This is your character. And then he says, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to, your, to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? So when we pray, that's what we're saying. Lord, are you not the one who said that you'd be with me always? Are you not the one who said you'd defeat every foe? Are you not the one that said that Jesus is my friend forever, who gave his life for me, whom you made a covenant with? And that's what we're doing here. That's the understanding we have to come to, that when the storms come, they will pass. Why? Because we remember, like Jehoshaphat remembered, that there was a covenant with Abraham. And because of that covenant, they won that day. There was a great battle that day or the next day. I, I just was reading that one part. But in that season, there was a victory. And in our season, there will be victory. There will always be victory. I need like an extra little table here. So they knew covenant. Jehoshaphat knew the covenant, the power of friendship. In Second um, Chronicles 20 again, it says, are you not God who gave this land to the descendants of Abram, your friend forever? Jehoshaphat said, says, do it according to your covenant as promised to your friend Abraham. To a Jew, Abraham was a friend of God. He appealed to God through the covenant he made with Abraham. Assurance of victory because it's an everlasting covenant. We have an everlasting covenant. I don't care how bad it gets. We have an everlasting covenant. Abraham, their forefather, the friend of God. I thank God for the covenant made with Abraham. Israel has been blessed and protected ever since and kept by him. But Jesus Christ is our promise, and he fulfilled this promise. He's our protector, our shield, our exceedingly great reward. Before Abraham was, he says, I am. And with declaration, I am, they tried to stone him. When Jesus Christ said, I am, they tried to stone him. Why? Because there is an enemy in the camp trying to shut down the kingdom of heaven, which cannot happen. Abraham was their forefathers, and they had a friend in God. We have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He calls us friend because his desire is to be intimate with us. Think about that. The God of creation wants to be intimate with us. Somebody, he shows us things. I remember uh, years ago, I, I had a dream. And in the dream, I went to work, and the first person in the store that day uh, did a refund. And then another person came in, and they did a refund. It's strange. I mean, I know it's crazy, but then I didn't think anything of it. You know, dreams are dreams, whatever. I get to work that day. First customer of the store does a refund. The second customer in the store does a refund. I go, Lord, why would you show me that? You know what I mean? Like why, you know, what, because when I, I thought of it today, because I still didn't really have an answer, like why does God show you those things, right? It's because he sees me as a friend. He shows me the things that are going to happen in my day, the things that are, are so minute to others, things that wouldn't matter to anybody else. But he shows us those things. You have a suspicion something's going to happen. You think something and it happens. Why? He's your friend. He's intimate with you. What other God is intimate like that? What other God is like our God who shows you the secret things, not just the great things, right? But he shows you secret things. He'll show you things about your children. He'll show you things about your friend. Not to gossip so that you pray. And he just shows you good things. He shows you bad things. But he reveals things because he wants to be intimate with us. He doesn't want us to feel abandoned or ashamed to go to him. He's a friend who always gave his life. What more 
could he do to show his love and commitment? And he also wants us to share with, will share with us things that will come, warnings, blessings, personal things, he says we're his friends. No longer do I call you a slave, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends. Because all things that I have heard from my father, I will make known to you. Get it in your heart. He's going to make known to you things that the father says to him still through his spirit, and he's still going to whisper in your ear, and he's going to show you because you are his friends. He informs us. He warns us. He shares the heart of the father. Amazing that the creator shares secrets, shares events, large and small, with his own. He calls his friend. He discloses. He reveals what's coming, and he reveals his power and authority, his ability to our hearts so that we do not fear or become shaken. He has a way of showing us calamity and then giving us peace all at once. That amazes me about a, about a friend. A true friend tells you the truth, right? And so Jesus Christ is a true friend. He said to him, listen, in this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. You know, he didn't, you know, don't say, don't worry, I've got this. I'm your shield. I'm your exceedingly great joy. He didn't just give him that. He said, listen, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to hate you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to stone you. But don't worry. I'm with you, right? So he's a true friend. He shows us the thing. Why? So he can empower us with peace. So he can empower us with strength and that he would hopefully see in us a heart that would pray for the rest of the, those around us when he shows us these things, right? So he is a God of truth. These things I have spoken unto you. Oh, I missed this sign. This is a true friend. Oh, this is what I say all the time. I know it, but he's not like this. He's like, oh yeah, I meant to tell you this. That in the, in the end, it's going to get harder and harder. It's going to get really hard. But uh, I'll see you in heaven. See, he's not like that. He's not like, oh, you, you got this. It's going to be really tough for you. Um, you know, but I'll see you. I'm making. I'm building. You know, I'm building your house. I'm getting all this stuff ready. Good luck. But I will see you then. That's that's the promise. That's where it ends. That's greater than that. He walks through it all with us. And he empowers us through it all with us. And he imparts himself, his love, his strength with us. He doesn't leave you on your own. We would crumble. We would die. We'd be in the funny farm. So these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Why? He's a friend. He's with you. He's the only one that can reach within a heart and strengthen it with his tangible peace. We all have friends, I've said this before, they're with us, but they can't. Think about the person who lost a child, a person who, who lost employment, their house burnt down, devastating things, right? And as a friend, you want to help them. You, you wish that you could be there greater for them. You talk to them, you may financially support them, but you can't be there at night when they're crying. You can't be there when they're so, they're so deep in depression and, and hopelessness. But our friend Jesus Christ, the covenant maker, goes to their heart. He holds them. I don't know how he does it. None of us know how, but he strengthens us on the inside. I had a friend once who, who said, you know, she's going through a hard time, asked to pray, asked me to pray, and, and you could only be so far. And I said, listen, you need to just cry out to God. I don't know, you know, just when you go tonight, when you lay in bed, just cry out to God. She couldn't sleep because of what was happening. And so she said, she calls me the next day. She goes, I don't know what happened. I just said, Lord, can you just help me? You know, if, if you really are, she wasn't saved at the time. If it's true, what Jeannie is saying, can you just help me? She said she went into like a deep sleep. And when she woke up, the situation was the same. But she said, I had this amazing peace. That's our friend. We thank God for each other. But we have to go to the source who will strengthen us deep on the inside where nobody else can go. And we will come out differently because he is our friend. See, friend takes on a whole different, a whole different um, depth, doesn't it? When you really think about the Lord being our friend. 
Romans 4 says this in verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given to us as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean. When God told him, I have made you the father of many nations, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He just believed. He believed that death didn't exist because of God. The Lord wants us to believe him, who still brings the dead back to life, and he still creates new things out of nothing. He doesn't need building materials. In verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham's, Abraham never wa uh, wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Isn't that a statement? And in the and he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And what God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Isn't that powerful? We have a promise. The voice of God has to be louder than every other voice. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you think you know. God's voice has to be louder than every other voice. Every voice. Forget the other, right, Annie? Every voice has to be louder. Here's some qualifications of a friend. Abraham was agreeable. Abraham agreed with the promise of God. They thought alike. When Jesus calls us friend, take it as a high compliment. It means I agree with Jesus. He sees that you are agreeing with him. So he goes, you're my friend. I can talk to you. You believe me. You're believing in me. Now I can, I can work with you. I can bless others through you. So a friend is going to agree. We become like him. His thinking, his character, his voice becomes louder. Friends are loyal, giving glory to God. The Greek here for a uh, word for glory means to have a high opinion of. Abraham had a high opinion of God. We have to have a high opinion of God. We can't let it get uh, watered down and weakened. Our opinion of God has to be high. Abraham had a high opinion of God. It attracts the Lord. Faith attracts the Lord, right? It pleases the Lord that we believe in him. We agree with him. We put all, all other thoughts aside his voice louder than all other voices. When Jesus calls you friend, he is having a high opinion of him, of you. You know, in 2 Chronicles 16, it says this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through all the earth to strongly support, strongly support, strongly support those whose heart are wholly his. That's somebody who has a high opinion of God. So we have to get ourselves saying, Lord, forgive me my unbelief. I want your eyes to fall upon me as you scan the crowd Fall upon me, speak to me, bless my family. I'm not talking about blessing just gold and silver and those things. Those things mean nothing actually to me. But that lives are changed, hearts are changed, life is restored. That's what he's after. And so Jesus has a high opinion of those who believe in him. And then it says in verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. Friends believe in, God, in each other, Friends believe in each other. 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. Stay in faith. Do not let the thief steal, kill, or destroy, because that's what he's trying to do. What the Lord has promised and what he has spoken, or what he thinks of us. He said, I call you friends. Believe that he will do all that he has promised to do. No longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. Jesus is saying, I don't need another slave. If I did, I would create another million angels. I want sons and daughters, friends of the king. That's his heart. He wants to be close to us. A.W. Tozer said, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you most. Pretty amazing. Why is it important to understand the promise of the king, the king of kings, calling us friends? We will rest in a time of chaos. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. We hope in, the, in a time of, we have hope in the time of impossibilities because he says, behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. He's never going to leave us. He wants us to believe him, agree with him in all things. He wants the doubts within us to be put to rest and the voice of the father of lies to be silenced. I had a quick, uh, like a flash dream the other, uh, the other night. I shared on Tuesday really quick. And I thought after, I go, what the heck was that? You know how you have, feel like that? And it wasn't until after and then even more today. It was just really quick. There was a man kneeling down, and as he was kneeling down, there was one next to him that just kind of held him on the side and was just speaking in his ear. I thought, what the heck is that? And then when I, and as I was waking up, I, I heard um, my voice has to be louder than any other voice. Any other voice. My voice has to be the louder. And I, I understood what it meant. And, it, and I say that in a prelude to what I'm going to read here. He wants us to believe him. He wants the voice of the father of lies to be silenced. Jesus said the devil is a liar and a father of lies. He lies all the time and he lies about you. He's always lying to you. He's lying to you about you, right? He's always giving you lies about yourself and trying to weaken you and crumble you. He lies to, about, he lies to you about you. Don't give him the space. God's voice must be louder and his voice says that I am your friend. I'm a faithful friend. I think highly of you and I will be faithful to you to the end. But the adversary will lie about your righteousness. He lies about your walk with God. He lies about your commitment to God. He will make you feel like you try and try, but nothing, everything is hopeless. It's lies, lies, lies. He's always lying. He lies about your past and he lies about your future. He lies about your healing. He lies about your children. He lies about your prosperity. He lies about your marriages. He lies about the favor of God that is upon you. The enemy is after your faith. He's a liar. He's a liar. So when Satan was in the garden and wanted, ah, killed that book. When Satan was in the garden and wanted, to, wanted man to fall, he didn't talk to God about man, but he talked to man about God. So in the garden, the conversation was to cast doubt about God's promises, and he still is doing that today. He's lying to you about you. You are a child of God, treasured in his sight, and he says he calls you friend. He is your, he is your great reward. So Satan, he got really close to Eve, and he said, did God say? And he starts to whisper in her ear, and he whispers in our ears, and Jesus is saying, let my voice be the loudest. Shut him down. Walk away. I have called you, and I am faithful. I am the most loyal friend, and you are highly esteemed in my eyes. God's voice, the words of Christ, are created to go deep within the soil of our hearts and bring deliverance and hope for us and all who will listen to us, right? It's not just for us. It's amazing how it produces life over and over again. And Jesus is calling, saying, listen to what I say about you, to what I think about you, because I said, I call you friend. I went on the cross. I fulfilled Abraham's covenant, and it's full. It's changed. I call you friend. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve in his trickery, that your minds will be led astray from the sincere, pure devotion of Jesus Christ. And that's why I bring this simple word that he calls his friend, because the enemy is trying to manipulate you. He's trying to rob from you. That our devotion on our walk with Jesus Christ, Paul says, it's a simple one. It's simple. Just believe him. He loves you and he calls you friend. It's not complicated. It's an intimate relationship and it comes with his power. Faithful, everlasting covenant. He's our shield, our exceedingly great reward. If God is for me, who can be against me? He's waiting to bless us. He's desiring to free us. Just believe. That's, the, that's what Abraham did. He believed when everything was impossible. He believed against all hope in the natural, against all hope about a hundred-year-old woman ever carrying life. That's just crazy talk, right? But he believed it. Carry the promise that would benefit all the families on the earth because the Messiah would come forth through Abraham's lineage and bring salvation to the whole world. To those who believe, we serve a God of promise, a great king. What a friend we have in Jesus. Hopefully I hear that song differently now, right? What a friend we have in Jesus. The king of all kings, fix your eyes on his power and his strength. You know, and I just found this out. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, um, I think it's 6. I'm pretty sure it's 6, I'll, I'll just say. In uh, the book of Isaiah, he, has a, he was a priest, but he has a revelation. And he sees God high and lifted up. His life changed from that moment on. But without understanding what was happening in that history of time, we don't get the fullness of what it really meant. So he sees him high and lifted up, and he says, I am a man of unclean lips. We all know the scripture, right? But it says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Do you know in the time of Isaiah and prior and before and after, when the kings went to battle, when they were the victor, they cut the robe, they cut the train over the king that they just um, had victory over, and they would tie it to their own. They would sew it on. So every time they went to battle and they conquered another king, they cut the train and they sewed it onto their train. So when Isaiah said, I saw him and his train, his robe filled the temple, that meant this king, this God has defeated every foe, every enemy. He is the king above all kings. There's no more like him. He's above all those things. So I used to read that and think, well, that's pretty awesome. But I actually have to tell you the truth. I did think, why was the robe so big? You know, um, you know, why is it filling the whole temple? The temple is pretty large. And I had this because I watch, um, I watch the, what's it called, the Scrooge guy all the time, Ebenezer Scrooge. I always watch that every Christmas, like six times. And there was one that they have this, this guy comes, and he's really big, and he's got this really long train, right? So that's the only thing I could relate it to, unfortunately. But when I read this, I said, how powerful is that? We'll never see him the same. That's why everything that's in the word of God is there for power. We just don't always understand it. And so when it's there, we need to understand why was his robe so big? Because he defeated every foe. He is the king of all kings. He has no rival. There's nobody that can compete with him. And he's our friend. He is our friend. So this was a powerful encounter. And that's what changed Isaiah forever. Seeing this great king, the train, filling the temple. So let his voice, in this majestic king, let his voice be the loudest. Let his voice be the greatest, greater than the one that is trying to steal from you. The voice of the Lord guaranteed because he calls us friend, and every word he promises he will do. Is there anything that he cannot do? 
Is there anything, is there anyone greater? No, there is not. Is there anyone mightier? No, there is not. Is there anyone that can help you more efficiently than he can? No, there isn't. Is there anyone that can take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh? No, there isn't. Is there anyone that can take the hardened mind of an unbeliever and penetrate his light and cause him to believe? There is nobody. Nobody else could do it. I don't care. You can try. You can take vitamins. You can bring them to every single uh, special meeting or sing a song over them. But Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, calls us friend. So he's going to go into that family member and he's going to change them. He's going to go into our world and he's going to restore. He wants us to believe because he's tired of the enemy sitting down next to that man who was praying whispering things about him that was not true god will never heal you you're going to be like this for life it's not true jesus said it's going to happen it's going to happen abraham is a picture of standing steady for a long time and then what happened the fullness that we benefit from so today i just want us to encourage that when he says i call you friend it's more than just reading those few little words it contains power and that's why i'm hoping that we have time quickly to to do that last the song that you did because god of abraham god of covenant right there's nobody he's faithful to the end so i just want us to sing that like a book ends as we go out that we would leave understanding the power of our god who literally mind-boggling by mind-boggling, calls us friend. That's a new word. That's it. Awesome.